Hey, it's Brother Matt. And I'm Damian Torres Patello, and welcome to Along the Way. Along the Way. This week, we have one of my favorite people on earth, and I'm so excited to have my very good friend, Tim Shriver, on. Yay! He's now my favorite person, too. <laughs> he is the CEO, the chairman of the board for Special Olympics International. And he's a profound wisdom figure in my life. And he has a new book out that he talks about. And check out the caption of this episode because we will put uh, the name of the book and where to get it. I am delighted to have my very good friend, a wisdom figure in my life, Mr. Tim Shriver. Thank you for joining us along the way. Yes, thank you. Welcome. Thank you, Damien. Thank you, Matt. That's very nice of you. This is so exciting because I, I, I hear Matt speak about you, and I don't even remember how Matt met you. How did you meet Brother Matt? So Brother Matt and I were both at a L'Arche celebration. For those of you that don't know L'Arche, it, was, it is a community of people around the world who live in community together with people with intellectual differences. And so these are communities that uh, are small homes usually, but uh, six, sometimes eight people, sometimes two or three homes in the same neighborhood. Uh, And they're folks who don't have any visible disabilities and folks who have significant visible disabilities, and they live together. And this was a a celebration of 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 an anniversary at large. And there were a couple of goofy young men running around and uh, my <laughs> wife, Linda, tracked them down because we had, at the time, eligible daughters. <laughs> <laughs> and the next thing you know, she had corralled two prospective um, uh, dates for our daughters, and they were both Jesuits, and one was Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, we, I guess we're going to have to keep looking. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, Tim and I... Tim, I you and I are similar in many ways and that's the circles we've operated in with L'Arche and Special Olympics. You, you've invited me into, into your work with Special Olympics and Catholic stuff. And yeah, Damien, they, they adopted me very early on against their will. I was kind of a straight cat uh, that just yeah. kept coming around. <laughs> Matt, Matt has been has become a part of our family. Uh, oh. Best friends to several of my our children and to Linda and me too. Yeah. Uh, you know, not just a pal and not just a person with whom we love to celebrate special occasions, but also a deep uh, and unassuming uh, source of spiritual strength and guidance to us um, in his own very inimitable, generous, <laughs> and gentle way. Thank you, Timmy. That's so beautiful. Um, so this season so, we're talking about Lent. Uh, what associations do you have from Lent from, from growing up or from childhood? Lent. So, well, they, they, they're still with me. I've still got rosaries all around. I've got, I've got them hanging from all, yes. all corners of my desk here. Yes. Not because I'm, uh, well, I do say the rosary, but I, you know, every day in Lent, uh, after dinner, we said the rosary. Mm-hmm. Um, in, uh, just upstairs, uh, on our knees, mm. um, you know, joyful, sorrowful, glorious mysteries, one after the other. Hail Holy Queens. Uh, and then we had 645 Mass uh, every morning during Lent. So, you know, and my, my mother did not go to the 645 Mass. She went later, but my dad did. So he would rustle us up. So Lent was kind of all about the give up, as, you know, most Catholics remember. Uh, I'll still to this day, my mother was an avid gum chewer, double mint, Wrigley's gum. You know, she had packs in her purse. 
And during Lent, she gave up gum every year. I was like, after a while, mommy, can't you come up with something else to give up? No, it's the hardest thing. And you'd see her look at her gum, sort of mesmerized by the desire to chew. Uh, <laughs> and she, uh, in her own kind of very fun way, uh, made, made a great joke of it. And we did too. Um, uh, but I think in, it, through it all, through all the, you know, all the crazy qualities that we think of as being our Catholic heritage, uh, there was a sense of, this season being a season of deepening. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to say, as uh, one of my current teachers, Cynthia Bourgeois says, less about what you give up than how you wake up. And in some ways, I think we were being invited to deepen our sense of being able to wake up and uh, notice the presence of God among us, the, the challenge of following uh, the gospel. Uh, the depth required to really understand what was going on, even at a young age, you know, you, you could kind of sense between the sacraments, the Eucharist and reconciliation that there was, I always thought to myself, wow, this, this is a place where something big is happening. You know, this, this church space, this, this religion space, maybe there's, maybe there's some answer in here. And I think Lent was all about focusing on the questions and trying to get closer to following them faithfully. I think there's so, something so beautiful with what you just shared about a sacred space and time, like something's happening here and, and we need to change our posture to be open to the happening. That's, you've put it more concisely as usual than, than I, <laughs> <laughs> I ramble on a bit. I tend to ramble on, sorry. Um, and so this, this episode, this weekend is Palm Sunday and this is kind of one of the great as a, as a kid, I just remember this being like, oh, this is the long gospel Sunday. I got to stand for a long yeah. time. As an adult, <laughs> I, I'm transfixed by the by the love story and the characters and these um, wanting to follow and not having the courage to follow. I always identify with Peter, who's like three steps behind Jesus, you know, like kind of peeking around the door, but a little bit too much of a coward to claim him. Um, what, what speaks for you this year, this very hard year, this pandemic year in this Palm Sunday story? Are there any characters or parts of the story that are speaking to you, Tim? Yeah, well, I, I hate to say it, but it's the psalm. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, my Lord, my Lord, why have you abandoned me? Um, mm. I, I guess I just feel a lot of people feel that way. And in this pandemic, there seems to be a sense in which, you know, I just heard a friend of mine say it the other day, I, I, I haven't stopped believing in God, but I don't know God anymore. Hmm. And that feels to me like Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, you know, and I've heard so many versions of what he was doing when he used the words of the Psalm um, uh, at the moment of his uh, death, you know, and one of the beautiful versions of what was going on there was that he as a young Jewish boy had heard and memorized the Psalms. Young Jewish children would memorize the Psalms and they would be taught the Psalms by their mothers. And with his mother standing there, he was reciting wow. the psalm to her. Uh, 
uh, from memory because she had taught it to him and he was offering it back to her. The psalm that ends triumphantly, uh, but the psalm where it begins with these, these haunting words, my God, my God. Um, I think there's something that we've got to focus on now, be honest about the suffering and the pain in our church and in our country, in the world, uh, brought on by, yes, the pandemic of division and, and, and disease, but also racism and inequality and all these long-standing pains that just somehow, I think what Jesus does on this day is he goes to the suffering. Hmm. He doesn't run from it. Who among us? runs to the suffering. And in this book, we have, Matt and Damien, the, uh, the Call to Unite, Voices of Hope and Awakening, just published, um, which is kind of like a companion, a spiritual companion for those who are seekers in the in the day-to-day -day life. You know, it comes from all kinds of Americans, nurses and doctors and presidents and ex-cons and uh, spiritual leaders. And T.D. Jakes uh, in there, Bishop T.D. Jakes, writes about going toward the pain. Because in his words, pain always leaves a gift. Hmm. To me, this Palm Sunday, as we, we, can, we can recognize that words don't matter much. You know, there's so much hypocrisy in this story. Hosanna, Hosanna. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you have to think Jesus was looking at them going, man, yeah. are you serious people? Do you know the price I'm willing to pay for love? to end these cycles of violence and hatred. I'm walking into this and you're just pretending. I mean, it was, it, he must, he must have had to hold it in. Yeah. Um, and to go to the suffering because at some level, of course, it is our faith. And I would dare say it's our experience that through suffering comes new life. Um, but it takes a courageous person. And right now we need courageous people who are willing to, go toward the pain and the suffering as he did, as Jesus did, even looking back at his best friend. I mean, you know, it's just, it's it, every character in the story feels like another version of me mm -hmm. in whom I'm deeply disappointed. Mm. Every character. It's just like, I know myself to be Peter. I can see myself waving the flag. I can see myself saying, let's go get him, buddy. We're going to try take this, this whole thing down and then going home and sitting around watching television and pretending like I care. I mean, the hip, you know, the, the painful qualities it reveals about all of us and yet the transformational power of Jesus at the center, holding it all as if to say, I'm trying to tell you guys, love conquers all. It's the only thing that matters. And I'm willing to take on all of that suffering if you'll just see that. That's really powerful. I, I think there's something wonderful and earth shattering and I don't know, maybe just humbling about the idea that we're in all of these characters that like at our best days, maybe we're Mary at the foot of the cross and we're not looking away. And at our worst days, we're the Pharisees, you know, throwing stones and trying to, trying to get the people who, are, who we think are righteously wrong. Um, and, and Jesus chose to enter this story and, and companion all of these characters in various ways and companion all of us, all of our messiness. Yeah. Well, I think that's right. I think at some level, the only reason I'm 
I guess I feel safe enough to own that, that I am all those characters is that I do feel at, when I own it, when I allow myself the vulnerability to recognize my own weakness, uh, I can look over my shoulder and say, oh, there's my buddy. He's with me in this. Mm -hmm. you know? um, right. And that, I think, uh, you know, that's the kind of courageous moment. I, I, I can talk about it more easily than I can do it. But we see, again, in this beautiful book, you know, Amanda Klutz is one of the contributors. She was when we did the show a year ago, when we did this invitation for people to contribute, she was inviting people every day to sing the song of her husband, uh, Nick Cordero, who was in intensive care, uh, struggling, hanging on by a thread to life. And she was just so sure he was going to recover if we just sang his song. Mm -hmm. And shortly after the show, uh, Nick lost his battle. He, he died. And we went to Amanda afterwards and said, you know, we'd like to include what you said during the pandemic in this book, but we don't want to cause you further pain or, and she said, no, include it, mm -hmm. include the words I said, sing his song, help him in his struggle, bring him back to me. I think she kind of is showing this courage, right? She's saying, I, I was broken open by this. I was devastated. I'm suffering. Uh, but I'm inviting the world to see that by singing his song, it gives me hope. So, you know, this companionship uh, of Christ, uh, this companionship that we as Christ to each other can model, um, this is the stuff that our country, I think, and our church really needs. I mean, we need to be a church that doesn't that doesn't come back the same. I mean, honestly, uh, it's enough of repeating words, showing up on Sunday. I mean, I'm I'm all for showing up on Sunday. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here, but we've got to be a church about more than showing up on Sunday. We've got to be about the transformation of hearts, and, and uh, so I hope we we embark after this pandemic on a deepening of, of the spiritual traditions in our church. The Jesuits have obviously held so much of that almost single-handedly in, in the parishes. I don't mean to be dismissing the Dominicans and the Franciscans or all the good. We don't mind. Them. You can dismiss them. <laughs> this is a safe space for dismissing but, the others. But, you know, we need a new, uh, we need to re re restore the role of the mystics and the, the great spiritual directors of our tradition, uh, because these are people who will not only get us to think about or say the words of the creed, but actually let them sink into our hearts. Let the, let the words change how we see, not just what we do. I think that's, that's beautiful and um, might be a great transition to our own prayer. Uh, Damien, will you, will you set us up? Will you tee us off for a little, getting our bodies ready? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Um, so I invite everyone to, if you're able to close your eyes, um, if you are not in a place where you can close your eyes, then just take a look around and recognize the space that you're in offer up some gratitude for this moment and for everything that brought you here to this time, to this period of time. Lift it up in gratitude. And I would say in light of, of Tim's reflection, think of a song your heart wants to sing to join that in prayer as we, as we, we pray and reflect together. So take a deep breath in. I just let it out.
him when you're ready. So I invite you as these moments of breath to draw inward and I'm going to share a short reflection from the singer Amy Grant. Join me if you would and speak whatever is your chatter because this is how we live. Wondering if we're doing enough this is how we live, full of longing, emotionally isolated, fearful. This is how we live, on an empty tank, flying by the seat of our pants, wasting precious time, not knowing what to do. This is how we live, all of us, around the globe. But this is who we are. We are loved. We are loved. We are loved. So if you're comfortable, wherever you are, I invite you to join me in saying these words, if you can, out loud. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. And if you're comfortable, repeating these words out loud with me. We are loved. We are loved. We are loved. Happy Palm Sunday. A celebration of love that overcomes all the barriers, all the fears. All the limitations. We are loved in Calvary. We are loved. And at the empty tomb, we are loved. Amen. 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 Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Matt. Thank you very much. Thanks, Damien. Yes. Join us again next week for our last podcast. Uh-huh. It's Easter can you time. It's the last one. I know it'll be Easter, but you can and you can find that last one anywhere podcasts are found. <laughs> and next week we have a great guest too. We do. We have a great guest. Stay tuned. 
thanks to Eric, Mike, and Padraig for all their help in making this beautiful show. Uh, if their bosses are listening, I hope they get a gajillion dollars for making this beautiful thing. We got raises, raises. <laughs> and remember, God loved you first. Let's go forth today and live our lives as a response to that love. Amen. Bye. See you later.